Hello and welcome to the Ten Pence Arcade Podcast. We're back, we're back, we're back. Oh yes, we are. After a month. We're very sorry, listeners. We missed you. We missed you. We love you. Right. I have to put forward this thing first, um, which will put Sean in the deep end. Go on. The reason we didn't podcast for, I think it's now four weeks now, is because you lied to the Queen and then prorogued the podcast so you could get something through Brexit. Is that what it was? Kind of, yeah. Boris Holly oh, Johnson. I went on a cruise Cruising. up the Norwegian fjords, right up your fjord, mate. Oh, it was lovely. It was really, was it? really. I tell you what, Norway is gorgeous. It's so clean and tidy. We even went to one city, you know, we went to these little ports, and I thought, oh, yeah, very nice. You're very expensive, by the way. Mm-hmm. But we went to one of these cities, and I thought, right, this is where you'll see all the beggars on the streets and that. But nothing, just completely clean and tidy. And, and the scenery was lovely. Went up at a, went up a big lift, a big lift up a fjord. A big lift like a, up a fjord? Like a vertical, it was called the sky lift, like a vertical thing that went up thousands of feet. Oh. And then a little cafe, well, a large cafe, like overlooking the mountain side it's absolutely gorgeous and the the cruise ship's really nice too that's that's a nice experience like a it's like a floating village almost like a ship yeah big boat ship thing one thing i didn't tell you about cruise cruises before you went on your cruise Mm -hmm. because i want you to enjoy it but you need to watch the patriot act it's on netflix it's a guy called hassan minaj and the the day before you went away, they did a thing on cruise ships and how bad they are. <laughs> did they? But oh, I didn't, I didn't alert you to it because I didn't want you to worry on your holiday. Have a look at that. It's quite an eye-opener. But I'm glad you had a good time. Brilliant. Number yeah, two, great, great customer you were away service. for an extra week. So we, we yeah. went to podcast, postpone the podcast for a week. But in all reality, can you tell the listeners why we were another week late? Well, we were going to record on the Tuesday. Yes, you laugh, son. That's that's a laugh of guilt, that is. And we couldn't record any other day but the Tuesday. But I'd been out on a work still on the Monday. What have you been doing? We went to... We, we had a few drinks at the arcade. Then uh-huh. we went to a, a crazy golf thing called Junkyard Golf in but Manchester. How crazy was the golf? Was it the crazy golf? It's a bloody crazy. It's a crazy... The- the boy went all over the place. It was crazy. <laughs> and then we went back to the arcade. The boys were square. They were so crazy. More mm. drinks. And guess what? We've got, we've got a tap in there now, a pump. So a, a punk IPA on tap. Uh-uh. And I think I remember sort of laying under the tap and turning it on. <laughs> Something like that. Forget anyway, to turn it off. Oops. So the next day, I was very, very, very poorly. <laughs> I'm afraid I was very drunk. Uh-oh. But what did you have... Can you say what you had to do the next day? Or is that still a secret? Oh, yeah, we had a film crew in, yeah. Ah. So you were overhung, hunged over, whatever you call it nowadays, I've forgotten, yeah. and then had to do a load of back-breaking work shifting cabs around. For a film crew? Yeah, I didn't move any. Actually, I did move some cabs in the morning, yeah. I moved about ten off a van. Uh-oh. So that's why, listeners, we're another week late. Blame Holly. If in doubt, blame Holly. Boris Holly. Yes. Pro-roguing the podcast, you naughty man. So here we are a month down the line and I've missed it. Have you? Yeah, I have a little bit. I've not been getting up to that much arcade stuff, to be honest. I've been doing lots of console-y stuff. Yeah. to do with joysticks and buttons. 
but nothing really arcade. In fact, I've not been in the arcade for a little while, actually. I've went in there a couple of times to play this week's game we're going to review. Um, but other than that, not too much, actually. I've been, I had a quick few goes on the Jammer interface. I've forgotten the name of it now. The one that interfaces it with a pie. That new one that Rich Chunkson has loaned me. I'm oh, going to do a video it? on that soon. I don't really know enough about it yet to do a, a competent video. So I'm going to get on to Rich and find out some facts from him uh, and possibly do a video on that. Because people keep asking me to do that as well. Uh, but the, the console stuff I've been doing, I've done lots of Vectrex stuff lately. I do love a Vectrex. It's awesome, isn't it? I do love a Vectrex. So this is the home arcade system. Because it's got its own monitor, and it is a vector monitor. If people don't know what Vectrex is, look them up. They're absolutely brilliant. Because it's got its own screen. Because it obviously needed it to, to have vector graphics on it, because it's a different kind of screen. So I've been making these Asteroids controllers for Vectrex. So it's a left-right buttons, thrust button, fire button, and in the middle, hyperspace button. And... It's really for the Asteroids-type games that are on the Vec Fever cart, which is quite a hard-to-find cartridge nowadays. It's absolutely brilliant. It's an SD cart. Sorry, not an yeah. SD cart. It's a memory cart for the Vectrex. So you can put lots of games in it. You plug it into a USB. You put lots of games on it. And it's got a load of games on it of its own that you can't get anywhere else that the, the author has actually put on there. Some really good games on it. And it also emulates the arcade ROMs for a bunch of Vector games. And... I realised that there wasn't any proper controls for Asteroids. Because playing Asteroids with a joystick is horrible. It's not very good at all. So I decided mm. to make these these little boxes. They're sort of black plastic ABS boxes. I had a Muddy Music print me a load of overlays up. I did two different versions. A black and white one, which sort of suits the Vectrex and the old cabaret-style Asteroids. And also did a red, white and blue one, like the original Asteroids control panel. So I've been doing those. I've made 11 of them. And they've all gone to their uh, buyers now, uh, my customers... And they seem to be quite happy with them. I think there's one or two left in Germany. I haven't been delivered yet, but they should be there any day now or tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, I've just ordered parts for another 30 of them. Oh, wow. So I've, I've been to work a little while ago. I stayed on one Friday evening until the, until the night time. And I made a fixture for my five-axis CNC machine at work, which does all the holes in one go. So it does all yeah. five buttonholes, it whips up on its side, it does the two up and down buttonholes on the side for, for the menus, and the cable hole. So it does it all in one go, in really quick time. A lot quicker than going through the step drill, which took me ages on the other ones. So another 30 of them is going to be imminent. And uh, I've been making other joysticks as well. I made, um, all the Vectrex, I made a spinner. So I can, I can I found these black ABS plastic boxes from like um, I think they're from like RS or Farnell or DigiKey or whatever, and they're component mm. boxes. They're really smart sort of made boxes, and you make overlays for them, you drill holes in and put your joysticks in. And I've made um, a spinner for the Vectrex as well because I've got Tempest Ooh. on the Vectrex, the arcade version of Tempest, and I was also given the other day a hacked version of a game called Wormhole. Have you seen Wormhole on the Vectrex? No. It's basically gyrus. Oh, is it? And it plays with a spinner. God, It's really, good. really good. Um, and I might have to tell you something in a minute, actually. Let me get to the end of this, and I'll tell you something else I've done. Also made analog sticks, like the same kind of boxes. I've got them here, actually. Let me just show you, and I'll put these on the website. For people to look. I think I've, I've written these up already. There's a analog one. 
with four buttons. So it's got an analog stick on it for Vectrex. I also made digital sticks ones as well, because there weren't many analog games on the Vectrex. And I'm going to do a twin analog stick, because there's a game on the the Vec Fever called um, Robot Arena. It's basically sort of cross between Robotron and Geometry Wars. And you can play it with two digital sticks, which you've only got eight positions each, obviously, for moving and firing. But you can also play it with analog sticks. You've got a lot more range of fire and movement. So I'm going to do some analog twin analog sticks as well, like these little boxes. It doesn't really take that much to make a really professional-looking controller as well. An overlay, arcade buttons and joystick, and then these boxes, nice little rubber feet on the bottom. They look really, really cool. They look like something you would buy in a shop back in the day. So I'm quite pleased with making those, and I do like making them as well. So I've been trying to work out, I've got two extra boxes left over the little ones, what other kind of controllers I could use for the Vectrex? But I'm not quite sure what they need. So the spinner control, um, I've been using it on that game Wormhole, which is really cool. And there's a few. There's another game I think called ooh, Hexagon or Hex that Chris Binary started. It's like a sort of rhythm game. But it's sort of like, a, it's really, I can't really explain it. It's a really cool game. Have a look on, on the... Chris Binary Stars website, some really cool little games on there. They can also use on another one of his games, Death Chase, which is basically Death Race yeah, on the Vectrex. Yeah. It's really, really cool. And the, the other game on the same cartridge is called Nox, which is basically mm-hmm. uh, a copy of Sprint, the old Atari black and white Sprint, which Jim did. Jim Watt yeah. did. It's a really cool game. And it works really nicely with a little steering wheel and that little spinner. Because it's not a it's not a pot where it only goes from like zero to like 270 degrees. And it's not a spinner as such, so you haven't got like a, an optical wheel inside and it's reading the optics. It's like a clicker wheel. And it, it, it outputs grey code, apparently, whatever that is. But it, it works as button one and two on a joystick, on a, on a Vectrex joystick. And then three and four are the two buttons on the side of it. But it works really nicely. I bet Vectorpilot would be good, wouldn't it? I don't think it can work on that because that game is its own thing and I don't think people can hack it because it's on its own cartridge. But it would work nicely, yeah. Mm. I think anything that uses a Monroe stick would be nice on a spinner. Yeah, possibly, yeah. I've also been on to Thomas Sontowski, who is the the man who made the Vec Fever cartridge and all the software on it. And he's done some mods to his program to cater my Asteroids joysticks. He, he did some games on there before... Asteroids and Asteroids Deluxe and Space Duel were emulated on there. He did his own versions of them just for the Vectrex. One was called Rocks and Saucers, which was Asteroids, and Rocks Deluxe was Asteroids Deluxe. And he's changed the programming very slightly on that so he can, I can use my controllers on there. So if people have got those games as well, they can use my controllers. Mm. And it works really nicely. In our notes, Sean... It says here, the strange episode of the guy with the 1942 stylus. Can you enlighten me, please, sir? <laughs> yeah, I've not told you about this, have I? Right, yeah, so I spoke to this guy, and we stood by the 1942 machine, and he said, oh, I'm world record holder on that. I said, oh, I don't think you are. He says, yeah, I am on the phone version. Oh. And he, sh- he showed me the phone version, and I've got it as well on my phone. That's mm-hmm. another story. I'm on a different phone at the minute. Oh. I said, well, I... I can't play it because I stick my finger on the screen and I, I just can't get on with it. And he says, well, you, you can't play with your finger because eventually you're leaving oil residue on the screen and you, it becomes unplayable. <laughs> right, so yeah, what, I suppose. What he, what he does is uses a stylus, right? Oh, yeah, okay. And he said he's got to the world record level. He was, he goes all the way through the game and gets you know, kills the last boss. You get double points for the last boss, apparently. You get 100,000 on this game, more, I think, instead of 50 or whatever. Yeah. But there is players 
online that can start you can start on any level so some players start on the last level and kill the last boss and get 10 million but he's got 13 million so he's number one because he's gone through all the whole game yeah but what he says is even the stylus starts to get like sticky on the screen so he covers it covers his phone in baby oil <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> there's baby oil on it so so it's, it's so it stays really slippy all the way through the game just a thin layer so on that app the game app is is your airplane firing all the time and you yeah, just move all- it around so you're just dodging around like a lot of those phone games it's also firing there's a few different options but i couldn't get on with it because it's not got a I joystick just, yeah yeah but he, that's that's how he does it now, a baby oil and a stylus. That sounds like a good night in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How weird is that? Wow. Yeah. yeah, amazing. And he's a world record holder on the app. Mm. Oh, another thing I've done recently, um, it's sort of to do with arcades, is I wired in an armoured cable from out the back. I've got a sort of PowerPoint on the back of my house, which is like an outdoor PowerPoint. It's got like a cover over it. So I wired in an armoured cable along the garden into my summer house. Now, a summer house is basically a green shed with windows. don't think it's mm. anything more than it is, because it's just a green shed with windows. And I set up um, the old heavy-duty racking tables I had in the garage and set my Cosmic Allen wall-mount machine, with, with the one that's got magical spot PCB in it, and also the Ladybug wall-mounts in there. So I've got those two machines in there that I can actually play now. And I've set up, um, I set up a, a big strip light in there, so I can actually go and work in there in the evenings now. So when the evenings get long... I can go and do some arcadey stuff and, you know, mess about with drills and files and stuff and lathes and all that lot. But I was playing um, Ladybug on there the other day. Very cool game. Oh. I love I love that wall mount. It's a really nice machine. And to play that on is lovely. And Magical Spot is a game we are going to do in the future because we really enjoyed that at Eurocade a few years ago, didn't we? Mm. Have you still got that consulate thing? I have, yes. I need to get back on that. I've got a screen for it now. A little tiny black and white TV, but I've got to make something to hold the television because it's such a small screen. It hasn't got the little tabs on the side that normal monitors have and normal TVs have to mount. So mm. I have to sort of make a cradle kind of thing to hold onto the glass tube. So I've got to make—I don't know—I have to make something up for it. But um, yeah, I've got that, and I'm getting. It had a it had a Galaxian board in it, but Phil Murray gave me a Space Invaders single board bootleg. I want to put that in it. So I'm going to play black and white Space Invaders on a black and white tube CRT in there and get that done soon. That'd be a nice little one to take to shows, wouldn't it? Because it's tiny. Mm. I am also going to get sent at the end of the month a Numbskulls Quarter Arcade Galaga. Ooh, that might be right. Yes, and when I go to PRGE, Portland Retro Gaming Expo, in the middle of October this year, I'm going to take it with me and hopefully show it to some American people because I'm not sure mm. if Numskull are, are a large factor over in America because they're our British company and I think they want to sort of move out to the American market and um, they sort of said to me, oh, we know you're going out there, would you take it? So I'm going to sort of bung it in the old case and take it with me and show people because I think in America I think it do really well because Gallagher's a massive game in America. It's really, really popular. Mm, if you yeah. ask people about arcade games in America, they'll say either Ms. Pac-Man or Gallagher. That's the ones you see most of over there. Mm. So that'll be an interesting one to play, because they, they've changed a little few of the settings on that now, where you can get you can access the dip switch settings. 
So you can like you know you can set your different lives on it, your difficulty levels and all that sort of stuff. So I think they they've improved them quite a bit because I think people moaned about that in on the, the Pac Man game they did. So yeah, we're looking forward to looking into that one and may have some other ones taken with me as well. Don't know yet because they're, they're getting some prototypes together for different games. That'd be cool. Did I tell you last time we spoke about filling an ISIS? Team holding. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Didn't you use some kind of strawberry preserve and then that just sticks the tea mould into the cab? No, I used wood filler. Sorry to spoil your, you're sorry to spoil your little fantasy about jam, but yeah, well, I used wood, been... wood filler and I need to route it smooth and then route the new tea moulding groove in there. I need to really get onto the ISIS because I've got eight of these ISIS now. They all work to varying degrees they all, they all can play a game no problem but they don't only two of them look any good at the moment because mm. Bosconian's finished and, and Cubert's finished but I want to finish the other ones and the latest one I got I'm going to make into a Mr Driller so it's going to have like pink tea mould and pink buttons and pink joysticks and stuff I'm really looking mm. forward to getting that one done so I really need to pull my finger out and just get them done one at a time but it's just getting time to do it really that's the biggest problem finding time to do stuff I really, really want to get into it because I love those little cabs. They're lovely. I bet tea moulding filler doesn't taste as nice as jam, does it? There Probably is not, no. It sets a bit, it's a bit chewy when it goes hard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've also, on the old 3D printer, 3D printing madness, I've been making loads of Octogates for Sanwar JLF joysticks. So I bought about six JLF joysticks recently, second-hand ones a while back, and they had normal four-way, you know, the sort of square gates in them so when you go into a corner you can sort of slip when you're going north south east west but with mm. a, an octo gate an eight way gate it actually snaps into the position you're going into it sits, sits in the position so I made some on the 3D printer and they work an absolute treat oh cool yeah I made Alex a twin stick digital for his Vectrex as well so when he gets his Vec Fever car he can play robot arena on there that'd be good Ooh. Mm. So what's wrong with your phone? Tell I dropped us. it. Oh, dropped I, I it. dropped it. Broke it. My Motorola G6 Plus, I dropped it on the pavement. It's a glass-backed phone. glass back. So, yeah, I What's it got glass in the back for? I don't know. I, didn't, I thought it was some kind of protective kind of thing. I didn't think it was glass. I thought it just had to, But anyway, it shattered. Oh, no. Do you not have a case around it? No. Oh, do you know what? The only time I've ever hurt um, a screen on a phone is I had an old Dig Dug case around one of my iPhones, and the case got cracked where I dropped it on the floor a few times by accident. And I took the case off to get another one the next day, and I came out of work, and it's iPhones are really slippery, and it just slipped out of my hand on the ground. I went, oh, I picked it up. No, it's no, it's okay. Got across where I was walking, went to look at it in the light. And a grubby crack right across the screen. It's the only time I've ever broken a screen because I took the because I took the phone case off of it. Mm. The only so, time of it. So always put a phone case on it. I never bother because they're a bit bulky, but I might do anyway. I've I tried to get the back off, or wife tried to get the back off, and they stuck on with glue. And we got the back off, and then the phone wouldn't work. So I took it in to be repaired, and I phoned them twice, and they were struggling with it, but. I'm back on my my old phone, which is a Motorola G3, but it's littler, so littler. it's littler, so it's 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 good for work, I suppose. Well, I've got I've got, I've got two tips for you there. Yeah. One, don't try and get the back off with a hammer. Yeah. And two, don't try and phone them on the broken phone. 
That's probably yeah. why I didn't have a response. No, I'm phoning on my old phone. This the other one is. They've not got back to me yet. It's not sounding good. The, the flash. The they've done a flash on the software and that's not done it. It just comes on and goes immediately off. Oh dear. But I don't know. I don't know what's Phones happening. Phones are great, but, aren't they? No. It, yeah, well, I only need it for a couple of things, really. Mm. But, oh, and also I've put Linux here. I'm getting well into Linux again. And oh. we are, because on the Wednesday, you know I was hungover on the Tuesday. We did try and record on the Wednesday, didn't we? Yeah. And, and your Mac was playing up and I couldn't record anything. So I've got onto my great friend, Darren Hatton, who's a Linux king. Yes. And all you do, you, you type in a command in the terminal, you find out the... That's the net- problem with Linux. You've got to know commands in the terminal. That's why I do not like it. You just find the two, the input and the output names, which are both my headset, because the output is the output is the speakers and the input is the mic. Yes. And you just set them off recording with a command, and that's it. It's recording now. Mm. Awesome. Don't even so, need any software. So Linux couldn't use an icon like every other computer in the world. You have to type a great big long sentence in. Well, there was two programs where you could record Linux audio in Skype, and guess what Microsoft did? Made it, update- not, made it not work anymore? Yeah, they updated the Skype APIs, and no one's found a way to get them working again yet, these two programs, so it's command line at the minute. Good old Microsoft. Don't you love them? No. We love them. <laughs> yeah, but I love Linux. I'm, just, I'm getting just into the de- you know into the understanding it now i really like it yeah, one, one day they might finish linux and it might work it's very powerful Ugh. i tell you what the, the the days of the paid operating system are numbered i think well, I, you think don't, all... I don't think you do pay for, well apple os's are all free now you obviously buy a computer with it on you can't yeah, avoid two that. grand <laughs> yeah. no no 800 quid for a, a laptop I suppose oh, bargain. eight or nine hundred quid, um, and it comes with it, and then you just get free updates. I mean, the new OS for this thing is out in a few days. And I'll be getting that Catalina. It's on mm. Mojave. The best name, Mojave, Catalina, High Sierra. <laughs> They're the best names. Not Windows Ten. Yeah. Uh, Linux have some good names: Red Hat, Yellow Hat, yeah. Badger, or whatever they call it. I don't know. Linux Badger, black and white. There's one I'm looking at, one distribution or distro, and distro. it's called KDE Plasma, and it's it's got this one I'm using now looks like a in between Windows Seven and Windows XP. Actually, it's just really basic, but I like it. Yeah. But this one is like re- really smart, really flashy, you know, like like Windows Ten should be or Windows Eight should have been. I think so. I might mm. I might put that on Linux Jam Sandwich. They should call it stuff like that. The, all the all the Ubuntu releases have stuff like Zesty, Zafox, and Cutie Cobra, and they've all got weird names. Linux Blamange. Yeah. I don't know what this one's called. Linux Spongefinger. I don't know what Ubuntu 18's called. It's probably called something like Devious Dog. <laughs> <laughs> all right, tell me some news. Arcade News. Right, right, kids. This, this is some news on the news channel, Arcade News, where news is our priority. Sorry, Major updates to the Sidekick app. You can now, it's got levelling up and stuff and achievements, I think, and stuff like that. Oh, cool. I've looked at it for a little while. I'll get into that. But I can't check it because it's on my new phone. I'm back on my old phone. I haven't installed it yet because I've, I've forgot my pass key. You need a key or something. So. Uh-oh. Yeah, you, you kind of level up on it, and I'm not so keen on that kind of stuff, but I'm sure it'll appeal to certain people who get scores in, and you get points for scores. And yeah, but, but there's clubs... 
Charlie Farrell just win? I know. There's clubs <laughs> as well now. There's a 10 pence arcade club. Oh, hello. I think that's still in beta. I think you go in it and all the, all the 10 pence players are sort of in there. Nice. Yes. And guess what, kids? The new stuff, the new stuff that's out, I checked the Arcade Heroes website and we've got one called Blocks Hunter. It's bizarre. Yeah, it's darts, isn't it? It's it's darts for kids, right? You lob Velcro-style darts at, at a screen to knock out blocky animals. Now, the darts stick to a mesh screen in front of the video screen. It's a nice idea and very kid-friendly, but I'm not sure you'd stop people walking off with the darts because they're obviously mm. not on a string or anything. Uh, you know, throwing them at the arcade stuff. I tell you what, if they got an arcade club, I'd lob it at your beard and it'd stick to your beard. You look like an upside-down Dalek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. And this is, this is another one. One for Bobby Idod, Golden oh, yeah. T 2020's due out. Another Golden T. I tell you what, the they're graphics are... as bad as are... FIFA's, aren't they? Yeah, they're, well, yeah. They're, the graphics, are, the pants, they're just very basic. I don't know why. If they're going to make a... brand a, new machine, yeah. A 15 grand machine or whatever it's going to cut. I saw Golden T's are about 10, I don't know. I don't know. But... Why not put a decent PC in it with a good graphics card? Because these the graphics are functional, but very weird. Just not not great. Maybe it's because of the attrition. Maybe because they they put in pubs and bars, aren't they? A lot of the time, those games. Maybe they get a bit of bit of aggro from the customers, and they don't put so much expensive hardware in them. Or maybe they're just trying to keep costs down for pubs and bars and stuff. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I've seen Hello. it. Uh, not exactly cutting edge, is it, compared to some of the stuff nowadays coming out? No, not really. Maybe they've got a load of like last-gen hardware left over, and they're just using it for... Because a lot of the golf games, they don't need huge processors and a, a large amount of RAM and all that sort of stuff to run, do they? No, you need even some a, samples. Even sort of a lifestyle, a lifelike graphics. You've only got like green and balls and men wearing flares, haven't you? Yeah, and someone going four, four buggies and all that lot, and mm. albatrosses and all that lot. Also, kids, we've got another one of these world's largest games after after Gallagher and Pac Man. We've got Frogger. Yeah, I do like. I love Frogger, and I, I have played um, the big machines. They're quite fun to play. Actually, it's got a novelty playing a huge machine, and you sort of stand back at a console, sort of about six or eight feet away from it. Um, but it's it's just Frogger running on the same hardware, isn't it? They just put the ROM in. I bet you could put any game on that, actually. Because I, um, when I was in Portland last, Portland, Oregon last, I went to, I can't remember the name of it now, there's an arcade that weren't there the, the time I went before. I went there, and they had one there, and they personalised the, the attract screen. Because when, when the game's running in attract mode to get people to come and play it, and it's sort of you know, moving around and doing stuff, they had their own advertising on there for the for the place you were in. Mm. So you can add advertising, I don't know, GIFs or graphics or animations to it. So you can sort of, you know, say what's going on in your arcade and, you know, what's at the bar and what's on offer and all that sort of stuff. So maybe those machines are quite versatile where you can just change a dongle over to put another game on it or whatever. It's just a screen, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose so. So what, what's the next one they're going to have on there? What's another... Probably, probably original Space Invaders or something. They've got that big Space Invaders frenzy, haven't they? With yeah, that's gun crazy. On it. That's not like a real Space Invaders game, is it? I think you'd struggle no. with a Space Invaders game. I think people have 
find it boring now, the kids. Yeah, but, you know, they might say that about Gallagher, but it does well. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And this one, this last one we've got, is Crazy Taxi Returns, kind of. There's a game from Eunice called Crazy Ride, and it's very, very obviously based on Crazy Taxi. They must have got a license. And it's, yeah, it's like revisiting it. Yeah, it's a weird, another weird one again. It, it is kind of like Crazy Taxi, Crazy Taxi, but it hasn't got that awesome stylized art, mm. art sort of in it. I'm not sure if they were cell shaded with Crazy Taxi, but it was like all really colourful, all sunny, and it's just it was really really cool. But this new thing has got like a little seven inch screen on it, which dis- displays like a sat nav kind of thing. So I think it tells you, like a sat nav would, where to go. But when Crazy Taxi was out in like 2000, 2001... Sounds like a bloody Uber simulator to me. I think that was before sat-navs really took off, before everyone had them. And it just used to give a big green arrow, or a big red arrow at the top of the screen, showing you which direction, which was part of the fun. It was silly, it was crazy, you had to follow a silly arrow. And that was the fun of Crazy Taxi. I think this game, they've taken, they've they've sucked all the fun out of the game by the looks of it. But I'll, I'll give it a go if I ever see one. And I don't think yeah. they're going to make some crazy money on it, to be honest with you. Mm, it's nice to see a proper arcade game, though, isn't it? Yeah, even though it's a driving game. There's too many yeah. driving and gun games. That's all it seems to be mm. nowadays, and for the past 10 years or so. Another one that was in the earlier link, because um, there's a few things in that link as well, there's um, a new dinosaur pinball thingy. And Pro- Broken Token covered that in their latest podcasts. And I bet you the clear coat peels off that playfield too, because a lot of a lot of n- brand new or the past few years pinballs have had a real bad problem with the clear coat coming off. It's like bubbling and taking the artwork with it. It's a huge mm. problem. I mean, these 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 pinball tables are like seven thousand pounds upwards, and if you've got that and you're just playing it normally and the artwork started peeling away on its own, you wouldn't be a happy customer, would you? Not for that price. No. Oh, no, Mrs. Oh, no. Oh, there's a Sean favourite here, right at the bottom of our, of our notes. Super Impulse, who make the tiny little arcade machines like that one, Sean. Let me just show you my little tiny Pac-Man. They're the really silly ones. They're about three and a half inches tall. They are doing um, a Pac-Man, but a tabletop edition, like an old cocktail. So as well as having a tiny it, screen... Yeah. You can have really ridiculous controls to get to as well. God. Are you going to get one? No. No. When I'm in I'm... America uh, next month, I might just get you one just to annoy you. <laughs> when are you I'll going? Get, what I'll do is I'll get you one. I'll get you one of those really big magnifying mats that old people use to play jigsaws. So you can just put it over the top of it. You can play it properly. Have it like with a Fresnel lens about nine inches tall. Just get me a Pac-Man cocktail. I might as well. Yeah. No problem. Wait, when are you going, America? Uh, whenever PRGE's on. PRGE. Mm-hmm. Portland Retro Gaming Expo. We're only going for a week and a bit, I think. And we're right, going to see so some to... old friends over there as well. I'm going to see Kevin Savitz. Hopefully Whitney can join us in Portland, because he wants to go oh. to the PRGE as well. And there's a bunch of people um, from Atari age you've been getting in contact with lately who are going to go as well and I, hope, I was hoping that Sean Courtney from the Pie Factory podcast was going to go there but he can't make it unfortunately his wife really likes Portland as well so they just can't make it this time but it's going to be a really good show I think it's one of the biggest retro expo shows in the world 
Yeah, I think the Midwest Gaming Classic's massive as well, isn't it? Yeah, that's on very, very soon, because the, the Pie Factory guys were talking about that in their last podcast. Mm. Yeah, looking forward to that one. Yeah, so that's that's the arcade news from around the world and local areas. Yes. Recent pickups. Have you been buying anything lately? I've been giving... Oh, actually, I have. Oh, go on. I've got some more spectacles because the other ones, the paint was scratching off them. So I took them back and then it was scratching off again. So I took them back again. So I've got, I've got one pair of the old ones with the non-scratchy paint and a new one with the better frames that don't hurt me nose so much. Look, Vic, look, look, kids, look. What it was is you didn't like the old ones because they made your eyes look like massive. You, you look like a, an anime character. You look like Pikachu with a beard. <laughs> Do these make my eyes look massive? Because it's the same lenses. No, they're pretty good. Oh, weird. It made me your head's just too small for your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> that amused me far more than it should have done. <laughs> Hello, my head is too small for my eyes. <laughs> Can you inflate my head to make me the correct size? Yes. I guess what else have got? What else have you got? We've got, as I mentioned, we've got Punk and another another brew dog beer called Lost Lager. Yeah. On tap, on tap at the club, kids at Leeds and a berry. Get in! They they're giving away freebies, so I've got a, a punk IPA T-shirt on. Okay. They're also giving glasses away and and cans of punk, which mysteriously have gone missing. Yeah, and then your your recycling is massive this month. It is. Yeah. Um, the only thing I don't like about Brewdog is they're very very expensive in London. I ne- I, well, I don't drink anymore, but if I was going to drink, I would not go in the, one of them places. They're cost a fortune in London. Yeah, we went in one in Newcastle. They're proper trendy, aren't they, Brewdog? Yeah, it's expensive. Oh, Norway, right? I was going to get. I was determined just to get one pint in a Nor- Norwegian pub. That wasn't pub. wise. And we, and we went, I think it was Flom. It's called Flom, the place. We had a nice Ooh. train ride. A nice train ride into the fjords there, mm-hmm. and it was this like Viking themed restaurant uh, bar. Sorry, oh, right, cool, big big round building. It was gorgeous. It was so I had one pint of IPA, which was lovely. Yeah, and it wasn't even a pint. It worked out at five hundred mil. I know so it's what's a coming less. next. Go on, and it was ten pounds two pence. Woo-hoo! And if you worked it out to a pint, it would have been eleven pounds sixty two a pint. Yeah, when I was in Japan ten years ago. Uh, we went out to for a bar, just a bar actually. It was like it was sort of like an American British themed bar, like an old kind of fashioned bar. And I think I paid about nine or ten quid for a pint of Guinness because it was imported. They don't mm. they don't make it anywhere in Japan. They have to bring it in, so it was very very expensive. But Norway is traditionally expensive. It always has been for booze, isn't it? Yeah, well, we got on this when we went up on that sky lift. We went to the the top of this lovely fjord and over in this posh cafe we had three chocolate brownies three coffees and it worked out as 57 pounds <laughs> oh my lord but you did we, enjoy it though yeah it's awesome then, then we went to bergen and i thought right let's try and find a cheap backstreet cafe because everyone goes about these waffles so yeah. i want one of these waffles so we found one and they're like they're gorgeous have folded over like a calzone kind of thing Ooh. And they had like Ooh. strawberries and cream and or everything in them. And, and uh, what's that stuff called? Nutella. Damn. They had Nutella in as well. I had three of them: a Coke, a coffee, and something else. I don't know a latte. Forty-five quid. Oh my god! 
<laughs> so expensive. Uh-oh. I loved it. That was great. Norway's gorgeous. Really nice. I haven't really been buying any arcade stuff, really. Um, I've got so much arcade stuff, I've not been buying it. But I've been buying loads of bits to make more Vectrex Asteroids controllers. So there's an arcade theme in there. A very small child's outdoor jacket. Um, an AT38912 chip for Vectrex, which... What, what, hang on, what's the jacket one? Well, back up a minute. Right. I had a parcel come through the door, and I thought, what's this? And sometimes the listeners have sent me stuff before. So I opened it up, and it was a very small child's outdoor jacket made by the North Face. You know those expensive puffer jacket thingies? Yeah. I looked at it and thought, I have not ordered a small child's outdoor jacket. Mm. So I looked back on my eBay purchases, because back in the days of drinking, maybe I ordered something by accident. But mm. what I thought had happened was I was thinking, oh, maybe someone I've bought something off of has got some other stuff for sale and they've got the addresses mixed up. Couldn't find a small child's jacket anywhere. So I put out on Twitter, okay, who sent me a small child's jacket? And a few people, I think Mr. Ross Ross and Mr. Neil 20 to 5, put on, oh, beagles get, you know, dogs, beagles get cold this time of year or it's starting to get cold for beagles. I thought, oh, someone sent it for the dog as a joke. Yeah. And I went to Weymouth last weekend because my mum was downstairs with my brother in Weymouth. So we always nip down to see her there and I meet the rest of the family at dinner and stuff. It was lovely. And before I went there, my son, Jack, my youngest, said, You wouldn't have had a, a small child's outdoor jacket delivered to your house, have you? I went, Yes. He was like, Oh, I bought one for Kia, his stepson. On, e- on eBay, and he put my address in by accident. Because I think when he bought me something for my birthday, it was in his addresses. And he sent it. To, <laughs> he sent me my birthday presents here, obviously. And I think he he clicked on that one by accident, so I had to take it to him. So everything was worked out. We worked out where the small child's jacket came from. But for about a week or so, I was like, "Who sent me a small child's jacket?" <laughs> Couldn't work it out. God. Anyway. An AY38912 chip for the Vectrex, which is the sound and the controllers chip for Vectrex. And I Mm. got it. It took a couple of weeks to arrive from China. I got it, put it in the Vectrex, because the controllers on on one of my Vectrexes, there's another clue for you there, was going wonky. And it's done by the sound chip, because it does multiple things on there. So I bought one from China. It came, I put it in there, and it made the made the machine not work at all. It made just a weird buzzing noise and it wasn't working. So what they do sometimes, when you buy these chips from China, is they get an old scrap chip with the same number of legs and same looks like what you're buying. They clean the top off and they reprint it. So they're just selling you a bit of old rubbish with a new printed name on it. But I moaned to eBay and eBay got me my money back straight away. But what I'm going to do is an AY38912 sound chip... It's a Yamaha, I think other people make it as well, sound chip. It's it's similar in functions to an 8910, which a lot of arcade machines use. So I've got quite a lot of these chips lying around on scrap boards and some spares. But the arcade chip, the 8910, is a lot bigger. It's 40 pins. And the 8912 is the same thing, but smaller. It's got a few less functions on it. And it's a 28-pin chip. So what I thought is I put it on the Vectrex community, on the Vectrex Fans Unite Facebook page, has anyone ever tried adapting an 8910 to 8912? 
because mm-hmm. the 8, 9, 10 has got some extra functions that the Vectrex doesn't need, so you can just re- disregard them. So the other night, I made, on a, on a sort of bit of perf board and a load of wires, it's really Heath Robinson, an adapter. I'm going to try using an 8, 9, 10 on an 8, 9, 12. But I haven't tested it in a Vectrex yet, but I will do. It's clever stuff. Hopefully if it works, because I've got loads of those chips lying around, but I haven't got an 8, 9, 12, and it takes so long to get them. Um, there's a place in America called Arcade Chips, which is a really reliable source of loads of old chips. But with the postage and the amount of time it would take to get here, it, it's just too much. So if I can get some of these old chips I have got, which you can get a lot easier in the UK as well, I can just adapt them. It'd be brilliant. There's plenty of room inside the actual machine to adapt as well. Mm. So I'll see what going on that one. I bought some Switch games. Uh, yeah, Doom that's... 1 and 2. I think I told you about those already. I love Doom. Um, mm-hmm. A game called Blossom Tales, which was on cheap. I had it in my watch list, and it went che- got a lot cheaper. I got it for like six quid or something. And it's very it. similar to the original Zelda on the NES. And it's absolutely brilliant. It's a really cool little game. I'm really into that. Uh, and I'm going to get Spyro Collection, which is out now, but I'm going to buy the physical of that. And also, on Friday, the new Zelda comes out for the Switch, which is an ad- adaptation of a Game Boy Advance game, which was really good, which I never oh. played, so I'm really looking forward to that one. But it's Link's like, Awakening, or I think it's like Link's that. Awakening, but it's fifty quid. It's quite expensive, and, and Spyro is going to be thirty odd quid. So I'm going to get Spyro first and play that to death before I get another game because that game's going to take me a long time to do. I think me and wife will be playing that one. They were good, the Spyro games, weren't they? Oh, brilliant! I loved them on the PlayStation. I've Did got three um, of them. I think there was three, and then they did like Spyro Racing and some other nonsense. But the the first Mm. three were really good. And I've got them on my PlayStation Mini. You know, when the little minis that come out, I hacked it and put the other... I think it had Spyro 1 on there, and I put 1, 2, and 3 on there. But the original games, when you go back to now, are so jagged. Everything's really jaggy, but they play really nicely still. Really nicely. Another Switch game I got, I was got sent as a review copy is a thing called Fuse for Switch. Now, we know about this, Sean, didn't we? We reported on this uh, after Revival, when we came up from Revival last. Now, Fuse for Switch is a programming language to make games. Mm. And I know nothing about programming modern machines. I know BASIC from years ago on the old 8-bit computer is a little bit of BASIC. But this is um, sort of like a modern language. Would Would you say it was a bit like Python or C? I think that's what he said it was, wasn't it? Sort of a cross between the two kind of thing. Yeah, so modern. But I've heard lots of good things about it. I know a few people on the arcade community, UK VAC, are using Fuse, and they're raving about it. It's really, really good. And the guy who made it with his son and some other people was in the team, when he played Rescue at Revival, we said, oh, you need to go and play Rescue, because we were talking to him. It's a really good game. You'll like it. He said, right. He played it. I'm going to make this fit on Fuse. And within a week, a week, he'd done an almost perfect replica of that game. Yeah, just it just got the scrolling done, hadn't he? And, and, the, and the ship shooting and the scrolling. No enemies at that stage, was ah, there? Right, but okay, it was, yeah. but it, it was just I mean, perfect. I mean, that must be the hardest parts of the game to do. That's the sort of, mm. you know, the meat and veg of it. And then you obviously put those bits in later, but... I know he. I know he knows the thing inside and out because he he helped create it. But in less than a week, 
you can do that in a game. Absolutely brilliant. And then on the on the software, you get a load of sample programs. So you can take the sample programs, you can play them, and then you can go into the code. Like you, like if you press like break on an old eight bit computer and went into the code of a basic game. You can change things. You can change the color of the ship. You can give yourself infinite lives. You can change the rate of fire, all this sort of stuff. And you can then get an original game, say like a Space Invaders game, and you can change your graphics. And maybe you can change the way the invaders come down. And maybe you can make it into a Gallagher game, or maybe you can make it an original game. And I think that's the idea behind Fuse, is to get these samples to see what's going on and then learn from it. And it's sort of aimed at, at younger people to get into programming. And it's, I think it's going to be absolutely brilliant. I really like it because it's very good for making... I'm not sure if you'll make you know, Zelda Breath of the Wild with it or anything silly like that, but it's good for making like indie games, like bedroom-coded games, the games we mm. used to love playing as kids. And I, I, Obviously, there's a massive thing about retro at the moment, and there's been a resurgence for ages about doing you know single people or very small teams making a game and i think this is going to make it a lot easier for coders to make games and it's so powerful isn't it as well oh god yeah because because you're using a switch which is it's not like the ps4 or the or the you know xbox one it's not a, a huge powerhouse but compared to old consoles it's massive it's it's out there and you can build these games, and you have tons of sprites moving around, like hundreds of sprites. Nothing's going to slow down. You're not going to have any problems with running out of memory, or you know, you're not going to have a. You've only got one process. You're not going to worry about it not being fast enough or whatever or stuttering. And it just it seems a really clever thing because I'm not a programmer, but I think I actually had a look at it and I sort of I tried to review it, but in a limited capacity because I didn't really know what I was doing. But I got into the code. I changed the colour of some sprites. I changed the, the speed of which you could move your craft around. And it was easy. And that was just for someone who knows nothing about programming. I was in there and I was changing things around. So a lot of you know school children and, and college pupils could get into this and make a lot better games with it than, than I could. And I like the idea of it making it easy enough for people to get into and start making games. Because... You know, some people might have an idea in their head, oh, I can really make this, this really cool puzzle game, whatever, and I've got a good idea for it, but now I have no idea how to put it onto a screen. But this thing, I think, is going to help do that. I really like mm. it. I really like the idea of, of bedroom coding again. I love it. And on a, on a brand new machine like the Switch as well, it's brilliant. Yeah, he sent me a code as well, like a development code, but I haven't got a Switch, so I haven't been able to use it. I think you should get a Switch, mate. You should treat yourself. It's your birthday soon. Hmm. Because you could um, you could do Drunk Gary again on Switch. Yeah, it'd be a lot better, wouldn't it? Yeah. A lot more. I, I struggle with the small screens. I, I really do. I like the big screens now. It's you can put it on the TV, don't you? Yeah, you can do. Yeah, you can do with the Switch, can't you? Yeah, because I think if you were on the bus or something, you could you know be coding away. Because it's got like a... The thing, another thing that's quite good about it, it's got like a virtual keyboard. You know, you move the controller around, or if you've got the switch in your hand, you can press the, the screen like an iPad. But mm. another thing you can do with the switch and that program uses, you can plug in a USB keyboard, so you can code right. like a boss on there as well. Oh, I didn't know that. I presume you could use a mouse on it. Well, I don't know, um, but yeah, you, you can actually code properly on it on a switch. And obviously on a big TV or a monitor as well, on HDMI. 
I think you should get one, Charlie. I'd love to see what you could because you're quite good at the games designing, aren't you? You used to do it back in the day. Did you do it on Atari hmm. ST or Amiga? I did an, a game on the Amiga, and I've done that game on. They're just written in Flash, actually. That was that was a programming language, which was kind of like a drag and drop thing. It, you had to you had to work out the logic more than anything, so it was still tricky to do. Yeah, but I, I think if you've got Gary that knowledge, I think you could do a game on Fuse. Yeah, a lot more do, than I could. I know that for a fact. But yeah, I'm quite excited about Fuse. I'm I'm really looking forward to people's versions of arcade games. I know for a fact someone's doing an Asteroids clone already. Mm-hmm. Be quite cool. And I'm not sure if John will release the rescue game, but I'd love to play that. I would love to play that. It'd be really cool. Yeah, it's twin stick as well, isn't it? Oh yeah, that'd be awesome on the Switch. It'd work really well, mm-hmm. I think. It would, wouldn't it? Because as well as that, because the game Rescue, which we both really like, is really tricky. It's a really challenging game. It's quite difficult to play, and a lot of people think it's too hard. I love it. But with a Fuse version, you could bring that difficulty down a little bit or add things to it, make a Rescue 2. Oh, that's exciting. I'd love that. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, looking forward to it. But as well as doing simple games like, um, you know, arcade games, 8-bit arcade games... It's powerful enough and got lots of. Um, it's got like libraries with like standard graphics and backgrounds, so you can just, like you said, almost drag and drop. Use the libraries within the code to bring up, you know, backgrounds and sprites and all this sort of stuff. You can even make games that look like SNES games with like really nice sixteen-bit graphics. Mm. So I think it's gonna be quite a powerful thing. So you've got different styles. You've got like, the eight-bit sort of simple games. And then moving up to these other games, and then you got you can also program like three D stuff as well, proper three yeah. D scrolling and, and animation. So it's quite a powerful thing for the Switch. I'm really looking forward to some of the samples. It's going to be like a community built thing, so people can share their 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 ideas and their games and stuff as well. And I think in the future it is going to be coming out on other consoles and maybe Steam. Right, oh, that'd be good. So I presume people using Fuse on different platforms can share stuff and, and as well. I'm not sure, but that, that sounds a really cool thing to do. Yeah, it's certainly... I think, I think didn't, didn't he say that if, if a game is good enough, Nintendo would seriously think about properly releasing it? Yeah, yeah. So at the moment, um, I asked him this, with the Fuse games, if you've got a game on Fuse, you can't just upload it to the store and people can play it. They need to have Fuse as well. And I think you can... I'm not sure about how if you sell a game or whatever, or a commercial thing. I have no idea about that. But you can share the games with other people. That's the idea of the community-led network on it. So if you hmm. build a game, you can send it to a friend with a friend code, and then they can play it on their Fuse and save it and maybe alter it and send it back to you. So you can collaborate as well, which is really cool. But yeah, I think if the game was good, if some, some, someone really put a lot of work into it and made a really nice game, Nintendo would consider putting it on their store for a price. So yeah, some people could do yeah. some some commercial work out of it as well. Really cool. Be good that. Mm. Be very good. Big or well, we'll keep people posted on that, especially if some arcade games come out on there. Mm, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Because we, we, I know quite a few people who've made games on the Vectrex and you know older systems, and people who've actually worked in the industry who are doing their own little thing on the side. So hopefully, those guys and girls will be getting into it and making some games for Fuse. A lot of these AAA games now, they use these big big libraries like yeah. Unreal, en- Unreal Engine and Unity and that. Like mm. A lot of the hard programming work is done for them. Yeah, I suppose. You know? 
It's very clever. Way beyond my yeah. tiny brain. Yeah. Ten Pence Archives. I have been playing some old games, um, as usual, and I've been having a go back on Phoenix. Been trying to f- beat my old score, but I haven't got anywhere near it yet. We did Phoenix way back on podcast eighty-seven. Now, I got inspired to play Phoenix again because I've been playing a game on the Vectrex called Birds of Prey. And the reason I played Bird of Prey, flying high, flying high. Birds, Birds of, of Prey. prey in the summer sky. Sean, sorry, come yeah. back to me. Come back to me, Sean. Sean, I was playing Birds of Prey because I can use my asteroids control right, left, right, fire, barrier, and it's a, a version of Phoenix, which I have got the arcade cab. I've got a little Taito trim line. Very hard to find. I think there's only two of them I know of. I still do, because it's in the arcade, I do flick it on just now and again have a quick go of it. Because I, I love Phoenix. I've always loved Phoenix. With all its stupid little quirks and bugs, or features as we like to call them, it's a really cool game. And in my one, I've got a Phil Murray high score kit in there. So it saves the high score. It doesn't save your name, it just saves the high score. And the score on my machine at the moment is 53,000. And my best ever on the podcast was 85,000 points, which is quite a high score. It's something really... I could only normally get about fifteen to 20,000 in one day without any cheating, without any looking on YouTube or anything or asking the people's opinions. It just clicked with me and I worked out how to do certain things on the game and it makes it a lot easier to play. And I got 85,000, which is a massive score for me. Charlie Fart obviously doubled it, but I was in second place, which I was happy with. On that podcast as well, on Podcast 87, you did your one and only ever tech tip. What was that? I don't, know, I don't know, but we are very sorry still, aren't we, Sean? Mm. I've done a few tech tips. Yeah, but they were about jam and electric. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah, if there are any people still in the hospital after following Sean's advice, we are still very sorry. Please don't sue us. Do not lick anode caps, kids. Oh, it's God. not good for you. That is not good at all. Back then, the pole position FGPA board was in prototype. So you remember that? Yeah. And it's still not even released, is it? No. Which is not good. Alex, our old Alex, Nintendo Arcade, went to SFGE in America to unveil the Skyskipper project with Whitney. It was back then, way back then. God. So what game have you been playing, that one we've played before? Well, I, in preparation for playing Mr. Do's Castle, which we have revealed is this week's... People should have had nearly a week playing it now anyway. Yeah, it's the next game for in two weeks' time, yeah. I put my cab, put my cab to four way. The first game I always put on is Spatter because oh. it's four way. Podcast one one four a year ago, well just over a year ago. Is it really? It's, it's it's a fantastic game. It's so good to play. It's just, I was instantly back into it. You know, the, I really hate the fact that when you said Spatter when we did it, I thought, oh god, it's another stupid Sega System one stupid little five-year-olds, colourful, soppy, softy game, like Flicky and all those silly, colourful things. Mm. And you loved it and all that. And I played it, and I really, really enjoyed it. I hated yeah. the fact that it looked... I first saw it and thought, oh, not another one of these stupid games that Holly likes. And I really enjoyed Spatter, and it's an absolutely amazing game. When we got into it, we found loads of secrets in it and things you didn't know about. And it's just a... A really jolly little game, and I loved it as well. 
Even the bonus level's really good. I forgot how good that was. Just a little little single screen platform thing. So good. Yeah, it's a really nice little game, that one. That's the kind of game that would go well in a little cab, like an ISIS cab. Hmm. Mm, if you can find a board. Oh, getting hold of a board. I think, actually, getting hold of an original board, I think, would be very difficult to do. But the System 1 boards, I think, are interchangeable with different ROMs. So you could probably get... Uh, like a flicky board or something rubbish like that and convert it into spatter. <laughs> Not rubbish. Teddy yes. Boy Blues, I think that's one of yeah, the same, I, isn't it? You know what I mean? There's, there's certain games, I think like Choplifter is not a very popular mm. game and, and that could be converted. But a little while ago, the Galloping Ghost unveiled one of their Monday mystery games and it was spatter in original cab. Was it? Yeah. So they've got a spatter there now. That? Oh, didn't you oh, see I missed it? That? It, was on, no. well, it was on Facebook a little while ago. Got spatter. Oh, I'm not on Facebook much now. I just use Facebook it. Messenger for work, and yeah, I'm I'm sort of I'm a bit fed up of it to be honest. I only really go on there for the groups like Vectrex Fans Unite group and some of the um, the little maker groups for little electronic games and stuff. I use it for that. That's about it, really. Mm-hmm. Mm. Nice one. Listener feedback. Okay, it's feedback time, kids. We have one here from Ian Cullen. He's put, just listen to the podcast. That review of Karate Chat was hilarious. It's always funniest when you two have wildly different opinions on a game. Also, cheats equals one, not on my cab. We're going to talk about this cheats thing on Twin Cobra. We will, yes. Mr. Ross Ross has been on. Was this what Sean was on about? It's Balloon Trip. Game C on Balloon Fight on the NES. Scroll right to left, popping balloons whilst dodging buzzing electric star things. Was that the game you were That's thinking about? That's what I was about? talking about. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking of Balloon Fight. It is on Balloon Fight, yeah. Balloon Fight on the NES, yeah. Well, Balloon Fight on the Game Boy, which I've been playing on that retro flag thing I bought with this pie in it, playing lots of um, Game Boy-type games. It's a, On the original Game Boy, Balloon Fight is an absolutely brilliant little game. It's really cool. He means Balloon Kid. Really nice little game. And it's, it's something to do with... It, it came from Balloon Fight, I think. I don't know. It's, it's one of those games that sort of came out of another arcade game and was slightly different. But yeah, it's a really nice little game. Now, this Ooh. one... You know our Thomas Khan? I don't think we're pronouncing his name right. I think it's Thomas Carne, which is Italian for meat. Thomas Meat. Yeah, Thomas Meat. <laughs> Oh, it can yeah, be Thomas Carne, Thomas Polo, who knows? But I think we've pronounced it wrong. He's talking here about Twin Cobra, I think. He's put, nope, definitely feeling the 10 pence affecting my bones with this one. Loved it on the first go, but became more and more annoyed with the ridiculous amount of enemy bullets on screen at one time mm. and the enormous player sprite, player sprite it is big, yeah. practically seeming to hoover in enemy bullets. The game just never seems to give you time to think from screen two onwards and has no difficulty curve. Just bullets everywhere on the screen forever. First stage boss with his twin flanks of what seems like 20, 22 tanks apiece being a prime prime example the nicest thing i can think of to say about is it's better than its contemporary konami's craptastic ajax and that toa plan probably used turds like this and guardian to figure out what will later become epic stuff like truxton zero wing and grindstormer i think i think twin cobra's a good game and it was the best selling toa plan game. never mind your opinions get on with the p- feedback all right then oh and the music for stage one is great but all the good part 
at the start gets wasted waiting for the interminably interminably slow sprite scale on your helicopter. Sidebar, sorry for radio silence. Computer one blew up and got replaced by computer two just in time for me to go on holiday, lol. Nice to be back. Hope you are both keeping well. Always put a score in and I've missed that. Uh-oh. Have I? Have I missed it? I Get on know. it, son. Any- Get on it. Anyway, I'll I'll fit that in seamlessly when we do the scores. Our Pete Hahn has been feeding back to us. He says, while I'm definitely a fan of Karate Champ, as he should be, I understand why it's not everyone's cup of tea, or IPA in your case. The version of the game for the episode isn't quite as good as the newer player versus player release. So if you enjoyed the original, definitely try the newer one. The speech is much improved in both main and the arcade board, and the AI is less prone to easy pattern abuse. After listening to the episode, I was inspired to see how long I could play this version on the game of the game on one credit. I had a run that lasted three hours. It took about two hours to roll over the millions digit, and my final score was 1.494 million points. I've submitted this both to Twin Galaxies and MARP, Main Action Replay page. It beats the top score for both sites. So I was cool. getting like, what did I get on it? Was it 60,000 I got? Can't remember. It's, yeah, it's pretty good. It was around that score... And Pete was getting 1.494 million. <laughs> that is, well, he's, a, he's an awesome player, isn't he? He really is. He's also put on, he sent a little picture of um, a twin stick that he's he's had made. And it says, check out this sweet twin stick I put to good use for the game. Junk Food Custom Arcades created the case. And I put in all the hardware and wired it. Now, maybe I can try getting better at games I desperately need to improve on, like Robotron. And then he's put, not related to Karate Champ, but wondering if you'd ever consider covering any of the rotary stick games, which is Ikari Warriors, Heavy Barrel, Midnight Resistance, etc. for the podcast. I know quite a, f- quite a few people don't give them the chance. And we, we we would struggle, wouldn't we, especially with the controls on that? Well, Pete actually sent um, some information of how to use uh, a modern controller to play those games. So I'll have to look into that. Uh, I've never really been one for those rotary games, but I think I'm missing something. I might have to try them next time at my arcade club is give a proper machine a go with a proper rotary controller, like Ikari yeah, Warriors but- or something, because that's the, the big one, isn't it? Yeah, the, the, there's one, I think I mentioned it before, called Search and Rescue, or S-A-R. I oh, really right. got into that. Me and my mate used to play through it. Cool. In a pub in the very late 80s, I think. And oh, it, it was like... It. Kind of like you're in like a, an aliens kind of world, like complex, trying to get out, something like that. Nice. Yeep. One Punch Rob's been on about Karate Champ. I wasn't aware that the fake-outs were part of the gameplay. I just thought it was dodgy controls from an old game. That's where you got confused with it. That makes mm. it a little better for me. I was surprised how many people hated on the game. I think those of us more interested in martial arts like it just that little bit more. I will be going back to it. I want it. To, I want it to be the very best, like no one ever was. Looking forward to firing the next game for some simple shooty fun. Shooty shooty fun. Dave Finster is on about them. We were trying to remember the name of them big headed people. Yes. And they're either called Chan yes. or SD for super deformed or Chibi, C-H-I-B-I. That's your big head anime manga style, guys. Yes. Rygar, I don't care what anyone says, Karate Champ still roundhouse kicks that nostalgia bell for me. Kia! Have you watched Cobra Kai yet, by the way? Series 1 is pretty good, especially the way they turn it around and make the baddie the goodie. Now, I haven't watched Cobra Kai because I absolutely hated the Karate Kid films, so no. I've watched a couple of the free ones on YouTube. They did the first two episodes for free, I think. 
Okay. I don't know. Not watch the rest. But it did seem promising. Retro Russ, hi Vic and Sean. Please could you give a mention for the upcoming Retro Arcade Weekend in Derby starting next Friday in the Ten Pence Arcade Podcast. It's probably been and gone, isn't it? Oh, maybe because we're late. Um, if, if, yeah. it, if it has gone, hopefully everyone had a good time. Yeah. If not, get yourself down there, Derby. Mm-hmm. Phil Eaton. The fun thing about being over a year behind on your 10 pence arcade podcast listening is that they sometimes mention some feedback you left via UK VAC or some other means they have no recollection of leaving, but sounds plausibly similar to your style and thinking it was so probably to be genuine. It must be quite weird listening to us a year behind. Mm. Yeah, it's odd that. Hey, guess what? What? When this podcast comes out on the Thursday, on the Saturday following that, I would have been working at Arcade Club for a year. No way. A year, yeah. It just seems like last week you got the job there. I know. Oh, my God. Mad. Are they going to pension you off yet? I'm in a pension, apparently. Oh, okay. Some kind of pension. Yeah, when you retire, they give you like a I don't know, barrel of IPA and an old cocktail cap. I've got I've got a couple of tiny little bits of pensions because I avoided them. I'm, sure. I'll get about eight p. Sure. Get about eight not, p a week. This is not the pension podcast. I'll probably get eight p a week. Friendly shout outs. I have to shout out to Thomas Santowski uh, for his amazing work on the Vec Fever Car and all the games and emulated games he's done for it, and the continuing work. I think there's a new firmware out for it soon with some really cool games on there. I'm not going to say what they are. I've played a few of them, and some of them are really, really good. Really good. Also, shout-outs. Just a minute. Let's get the retro pinger out a minute. Ping for Thomas. Also, pings for the nice Vectrex people who've brought my controllers. Thank you very much. And other Vectrex developers bringing some really cool games out on original... They've got their own cartridges, their own boxes, their own overlays. Proper, like they came off the shelves in 1983. And Chris Parsons, CMP, who brought the wonderful Big Blue and Frontier. Uh, Jim Watt, Clockwork Robot, has done a load of games. Chris Binary Star, done a load of games. Malban Vide. Uh, Oliver Radford for his Radpand controllers. He made some little controllers, which are really nice. Uh, Deluxe. Uh, Charles Tweedy for his buzz-off noise removal kit to get rid of the horrible sound off the old Vectrex. So yeah, loads of people still making software and hardware mods and, and hardware pieces for the Vectrex. It's got a really thriving community. Getting well into it again. I reckon it, I know it has been in a cab, but I reckon it'd be good in a cab, you know. What, a Vectrex? Yeah. Well. Full, and that's say, like a 20-inch screen or something. And Jason Cop. Vectrex J, I think it's just Vector, Vector Jason or Vectrex Jason. He's made a colour Vectrex with a 19 inch tube. Mm. So all the intensities of, of the black and white games, because you know you've got those darker and lighter or brighter vectors on an original Vectrex. Yeah. What he's done is converted that code that makes the brightness into different colours. So when a game is different brightnesses, it's different colours on the on his new screen. And I think he's gonna make a kit of hardware so you can mod a Vectrex or mod another tube to go onto a Vectrex to make it colour. I'm not sure how it's going to kind of work yet or what it's into. It's not really finished yet. But colour Vectrexes are on the way. That'd be brilliant. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait to see that. Really cool. It's not It's not going to die off the Vectrex. It's such a good system. I think it's just going to keep going and going. I forgot one of my pickups, by the way. Go on. 
Another Vectrex. How many have you got? Two. Two. Because the one I bought, I got it quite cheap um, because the guy said he's selling it as spares or repair. Sometimes it comes on and works, sometimes it doesn't. I went, oh, okay, that sounds fairly simple. And it's that it's exactly the same problem as my Vectrex has got that's had it before with that sound chip I was on about. The controller, what it is, is even though you've got no controllers plugged into the machine, button three on controller two is always on. And some games won't start if someone's holding a button down. Right. So all you need to do is change that chip. But what I've done is the one, the new one I got had a, it was an early version. So it's like it's got quite a low serial number. And it, the chip was actually soldered to the Vectrex board. So I had to take it all apart, unsolder the chip, and put a socket into it. But when I get a new chip, it'll work absolutely fine. So I have two Vectrex. Yay. Vectri. Vectri. One other shout-out I must do is to John Singletary, my American friend. Um, the massive hurricanes that sort of battered parts of America recently, they took a side swerve around where he lives, Florida, and missed him, thank goodness. He thought he was going to get his arcade battered again, but luckily the hurricane turned around the corner and missed him. So thank goodness for that. Well, I would like to give a future shout-out to anyone that can remind me before the next podcast that we have a section called shout-outs that I keep forgetting to add bits to. Yeah. So a shout-out to that person. Give me a reminder on the Tuesday afternoon so you need to do shout-outs, mate. Yeah, and you can say, yay, thank you. Shout out to him. Bracket, bracket, I'm an idiot. Yes! <laughs> okay, this is... Right, let's calm, let's calm this idiocy down. Let's get yes. down to business. Arcade Master Quiz. Quiz me, Sean. Quiz me right up, you slag. Quiz me right up. This is of medium difficulty, I would say. Uh-oh. I'm expecting a solid 6 out of 10, I think, here. I've got to beat your eight. Is it eight you got out of 11 that time? Yeah, it's amazing, wasn't it? Amazing. Well, I made it really easy for you. Carry on. No, you didn't. Anyway, number one. Okay. Kaneko's 1997 Sengekai Striker was what type of a game? Sengekai Striker? Yeah. Kaneko, 1997. I've never heard of it. I would say a horizontal shooter. No, a vertical shooter. vertical shooter. Oh, you swine. I was going to say, I thought it was too obvious. <laughs> right, num- number two. What was the name of Zachariah's version of Space Invaders? What did they call it? The Invaders. Yeah. Oh, good one. Good one. Right, number three. What was the CPU used in Konami's towering shoot 'em up classic, Megazone? <laughs> Z80. No, a 6809. I was going to say that! Atari 2600 Classic Kaboom took its inspiration from which coin-op game? Atari's Avalanche. Yeah. Yes. That's two. Mm-hmm. Number five. What year was Mr. Do's Wild Ride released? 84. Yeah. Yes! That was a good guess. Well done. Number six, what is the full name of Sega's Fantasy Zone 2? Fantasy Zone, Fantasy Zone 2, The Tears of Opa Opa. Yeah. 
Yay! Well, I know that because we did it and I did lots of work on it. Right, you're up to four out of six so far. Number seven, which company released 1983 weird parallax shoot-em-up thing, Exerion? Oh, Xerion. Is that Jalico? Yeah. Oh, yay! Yay, I've got got the board, so I should know that. Didn't think you'd get that one. True or false, Knights of the Round 2 was released in 1993. False. Yeah. False, yeah, there there wasn't a Knights of the Round 2. I didn't think so. (laughs) You're doing very well here. You're up to six. Ooh. Right, number number nine. How many buttons are used on SNK's 1997 Monster em Up, King of Monsters? How many buttons? Uh, two? No, three. Oh, darn it. Punch, kick, and run. Oof. Right, last question. What is on the side art for Taito's Ice Cold Beer? A barmaid pulling beer. Yeah. Yeah, the actual wording is a buxom wench. A buxom wench. But, yeah, I'll give you that. So you've done very well there, Mr. Marlon. Seven out of ten. That's got to be my best one so far, isn't it? Probably. Yay. I love a quiz me. I quizzed up. You've been quizzed up. And before we do our game review, a word from our sponsor. Stale smells up here often come from down there in your carpet. Smells from your dog and tobacco, too. Well, Shake and Back from Gladys here. It's all you have to do. Do the Shake and Back and put the freshness back. Do the Shake and Back and put the freshness back. When your carpet smells fresh, you're under too. Every time you vacuum, remember what to do. Do the Shake and Back and put the freshness back. Shake and Back in three fragrances. So remember, Sean... Put the freshest back in your carpets. She was great, that lady, wasn't she? Oh, lovely. Lovely lady. <laughs> Feature game review. Talking of lovely ladies, here's the mysterious Japanese lady. Konnichiwa, minasan. Tenpen's podcast featured game where yokoso. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Tenpins Podcast Featured Game. This week we are playing Twin Cobra. It was developed by the Mighty Toa Plan and published by Taito and was released in Japan in 1987. In Japan, the game was called Kyukyok Tiger, which translates as Ultimate Tiger. This vertical shooter map is a real classic from Toa Plan. If you enjoy super exciting helicopter action, then you will have lots of fun destroying all the enemies. It is no surprise that Sean san chose this one. But I wonder if Victorson will agree. Sayonara! Until next time! Bye bye! Thank you, mysterious Japanese lady. This is a vertical shoot 'em up where you pilot a TC 17 twin Cobra Ass Hat helicopter. 
I mean, assault helicopter. You've written this, haven't you? I have Ass written this. Hat. Ass hat helicopter. Do this with an 8 way joystick and two buttons. Fire and bomb. The game PCB uses its own named hardware, Twin Cobra Harbour, with a 68K CPU and a Z80 and an AY3812 stop. sound chip. Stop. 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 The AY3812 sound chip is the one in the Vectrex. If I had a Twin Cobra board, I'd rip that off and put it in my Vectrex. Yeah, and then just throw it. the board away. <laughs> I wouldn't because they're about 600 quid. They're really expensive. Other games on this hardware were Flying Shark and Golf War 2. Screen res is 320 by 240 for all you pixel nerds out there. I like Flying Shark. I love that on the Spectrum. It's a great little game. Mm. Difficult but good. This really is a simple two-player simultaneous game which you can play two-player simultaneously. It's crazy, that, isn't it? It's crazy, like the crazy golf. It's bloody crazy if you can have blue and red helicopters. And Taito asked Toa Plan to do a simultaneous two-player game because they knew they were selling well in America. So that's what they did. Yeah. So this is a quote from Toa Plan developer Tatsuya Uemura and a bit of research I nicked from our Toa Plan special podcast, number 33. God, that's years ago. It Lit- is. Literally years ago. And what he said, Tatsuya said, Taito requested two players simultaneous play. Originally in the overseas versions, you didn't return to a checkpoint when you died, and simultaneous play was a must. The players at that time in America were always playing in a somewhat drunken fashion, not Ooh. making strategies or plans. We couldn't ignore them, the Western gamers. But as developers, we, we focused more on games in Japan. The players in Japan and the players overseas had completely different ways of playing, and what they looked for in games was different as well. Taito America would give us ideas about the overseas market, which we made use of. Do you know what, Sean? Yes. We are missing out a massive part of arcade gaming and our podcast by not playing some of the simultaneous games together. Mm. I would really like to do that. Um, we we really should, I think, in the future, try and work out how to play an arcade game, say in MAME, for instance, together remotely. Because I'm sure in some... There must be an online version of it or some, some part of MAME that allows you to play with your friends over the internet. Because we could have mm, played this, uh, obviously, single player, and then we could play played it together. And maybe do do some teamwork. So maybe we could play it together, and someone like, I don't know, Mr. Tronads and, and Charlie Fire could play it at Arcade Club, and they'd thrash us really badly. But yeah, it'd be really nice to play games together, because I, th- I think Gauntlet would be a nice game to play together. And see what score you yeah. can get together working as a team. Even stuff mm. like um, Alien Syndrome. That would have been a good game to play together. Yeah, it would be good. It would be like really fun. And we've never done a game together like that on, on 139 podcasts. We need to do it some. Mm. Apart from when we meet up, we do, don't we? Yeah, no, we don't really do the podcast. We don't do a simultaneous game, do we? We haven't even no. battled each other. We could have played each other at Karate Champ. No. And I would have kicked your ass. I would have gone home crying. <laughs> anyway, there's lots of differences which we're not going into between Tink Twin Cobra and Kuyaku Tiger. There's basically the Japanese version is much harder. Harder? And challenging. Yeah. You're joking. Yeah. Well, this oh starts Lord. off nice and easy, doesn't it, Twin Cobra? No. It really it builds doesn't. Very good difficulty curve on this, I think. My, very good. I, I, I disagree. Anyway, this, as you know, is a vertical shoot 'em up. It's ten level endless. 
so you can finish it it doesn't say finish you just carry on it's got a modern military theme this means your normal tanks boats planes helicopters fairly standard scenery over land and sea all well drawn so you get cities ports bases towns docks woods etc end of level bosses are a bit disappointing they're just like big squares most mostly yeah, like tank, tank kind of things and the play area does move slightly left and right with you. You can go, you can scroll some things off the screen almost. Yeah, yeah. Shooting some ground targets gives you a P star, and landing on the boat at the end of the level rewards bonus points for all stars collected since dying. So don't die and collect your bonus. Mm. Shooting a twin blade helicopter. That's a chin hook. Is it a chin hook? I've got yeah. a chin glove. Yeah, it's a chin hook or a chin hook. I like to call it a chin yeah. hook. Much better gives you a power-up, which is S, which in a lot of other games is speed, but this is the power-up. Mm. And bomb, B. Bombs are not your normal smart bombs and will only clear most baddies and buddies. Buddies and buddies? Baddies and buddies. Yeah, in your good. In your immediate area. So you can still get killed despite dropping a bomb because they just get through. There are mm. four power, power-upable power-ups. <laughs> Red, standard straight shooter. Green, narrow range straight shooter, more powerful shot. Blue, forward V spread shot. That gets quite powerful. Yellow, four-way shot eventually. Starts off one way, and then you fire all four ways, which can it can be useful shooting sideways. Mm. All them, all them are useful. My thir- my first thoughts were that this game copied a lot from Raiden, but it turns out to be the other way around. Raiden was released three years after this, 1990. Now, now, that is a big point for me, which we'll get onto a little bit later. Mm. Now, what I allowed on this game was auto-fire, to go into the script, go into the menu, and you can choose auto-fire, which a lot of people... This is on MAME, not not on the original arcade board. Yeah, we're not keen on. But when I was playing it, there's a split-second delay, really, before auto-fire kicks in on mine. Yeah. And it makes it harder to play. And I, it didn't, it didn't suit the game. So in the end, I just didn't use auto fire. Mm. So my my scores were not without. I don't think it made it any easier to be honest. No, it really didn't. Because no. auto fire, I always think of is you hold the button down and it continuously fires a lot quicker than you would if you were tapping the button. Because on mm. games like um, Star Force, when you watch some of these videos of people, you know, getting millions and millions of points, they're obviously using some kind of cheaty fast firing because you couldn't fire that quickly and on a game like star force there's a certain bit in star force where if you hit if you blow something up really quickly at a certain point you get a million points for it so that's Mm. when you really need that you could i don't think you could do it otherwise because you need a mechanical or electronic um pulse to make it go that quickly you couldn't do it that quickly with your with your your physical hand but on this game it doesn't clear really do that. Bonus, that is. Yeah, you don't seem to get that on this game. It just seems to fire off bursts, I noticed. And mm. my score, which is terrible, I wasn't into the game that much, I did with normal shooting. Because I, I actually quite like pumping the fire button with my fingers. I, I, like, I like to get into a game because you get a sort of rhythm going when you're doing that. Because mm. I think with auto fire, if you just hold your finger down on it, I know some games you need to, and you sort of alternate from doing that and pumping the button. A lot of the the bullet hell games, but on this, it just didn't. It seemed like you were just holding the button down and flying around like a phone game. You know what I mean? Mm. And it didn't. It didn't really make it conducive to to an arcade game. I didn't think so. I didn't bother with the auto fire either. I just thought it was nonsense. Well, what I can do on my car because the buttons are so 
easy to press because you, you've made the control panel for me, didn't you? They're, yes. they're like shallow buttons. You can do almost do like a track and field thing on the on the. Oh fire yeah, button. yeah, on on those kind of Sanwar electronic, the, the sort of um, the Japanese style buttons. Yeah, I suppose you can. Yeah, so you just sort of do like two fingers, so yeah. you just double in the fire speed. And I did that for the chin hooks. Yeah, I, I used to do that a lot. When you sort of get where you've got to get real close and shoot something really quickly, I tend to do that as well. Like on the, the big aeroplanes in 1942, you've got to get behind the wing and just fire them really quickly before they fire at you. I tend mm. to do that on there as well. Yeah, it's a nice tip, that. Yeah, so the the one and only time you allow auto-fire, nobody bothers with it because it wasn't really worthwhile doing. Yeah, I Typical. <laughs> I'm not going to do it anymore, but... It was interesting to see the comments and stuff. Tips and secrets. I've I've completely ignored that heading and just done plus and minus bits. Right, plus plus bits. You can continue exactly where you left off. I like that. That's always a good thing. Enemies you are very close to or are completely on top of will not fire at you. That is cool. You can use that. Except Try the chin to... hooks. They're, they're yeah. swines. They'll fire at you wherever you are. Yeah, chin hooks will kill you anyway. Uh, watch the direction of the tank turrets, like on Raiden. They will, you know, they're going to shoot at you. Yeah. And I play this best when I'm playing it like a bullet hell, and I mean by concentrating on dodging the bullets and just concentrate on the area area immediately around the craft and not looking too far at the screen. That's when I was getting best scores. Mm. The minus points. There's a big hitbox on this. It's, it's like it's a big craft, and you just got. They're just going to skim the side of your back of your... What's that bit out of the back of a helicopter? The wing, not the, a wing. The bum. The bum posty, of a helicopter, the isn't big, it? The big, long posty bit. You're dead. Yeah. And the power-ups power dance around like a twit. Oh, God, don't they? I yeah. hate games. I, you know the sickier games? I don't like any sickier games. They mm. all do it. Whenever you hit something, rather than the power-up just staying sort of hovering around where it, land, where it got hit... It'll fly around the screen, almost trying to evade you. And you end up killing yourself with bullets, trying to get those stupid power-ups, rather than just staying still and letting you go and grab them quick. Oh, why do they do it? It's so annoying when they do that. And half the time, when they, they wobble around, and you're trying to, you know, trying to kill things off and trying to dodge bullets, they'll actually disappear off the screen. They'll hang around for a bit and then just go. Ooh, mm. That's so annoying. That really if, bugs me in games, that. And if you move quick... Then the power up moves quick. I'm sure it's linked to your movement. Oh, that's annoying, isn't it? Mm. And bombs have to be used preemptively because they are slow to release. That's Toa Plan trying to make things harder, which they always do. On these kind of games, which I think are quite difficult, some of these Toa Plan games, obviously they got more difficult as the bullet hells came in. I find it a lot of the good players, when you watch a YouTube video of someone like clocking a game or getting a million points or whatever, they hardly ever use the the bombs. They just don't bother with them. It's like they don't even mm. bother. And you, you look at the, the screen at the end of a level, there's like, there's like a, a, a great big long line of bombs they haven't even bothered using. Because some games, I think like Raiden as well, if you don't use your bombs, you get an extra bonus point for every bomb you haven't used. So that's another mm. reason why they don't bother with the bombs. But on this game, absolutely pointless. It's just not very good. It's like a sort of a pound shot bomb. <laughs> Pound shot bombs. Pound shot bombs. Boom. Graphics and sound. Usual awesome teleplan tunes. The graphics are well drawn and colourful. Nothing brilliant, but good. I don't reckon they're as pretty as Raiden. You're not as pretty as Raiden. <laughs> I'm not. Absolutely not. <laughs> and I, I, I like I really know the tunes really well on Raiden because I play it a lot. 
and these these tunes on this game because I didn't play it that much didn't really notice so much to be honest with you I know they do make good good music and games though the cabinet art is quite good actually it came out as a kit but the kit is really nice I think Romstar used to use were they always, always kit games Romstar games because they were a distributor in America I think so yeah I don't think they released anything so this one looks South, really nice it? it's got a really nice marquee with some helicopters on it and twin cobra in sort of like a a sort of slanted back kind of font really nice it's got a, a, a full bezel with like more helicopters firing stuff at it. it's got instructions on both sides and a sort of a, uh, at the bottom of it sort of like a beach scene with loads of explosions going on and what kind of stuff and the actual control panel is really really nice so it's got like a sort of um almost like a, a an aerial view of the the battleground going on with explosions and tanks and stuff and helicopters going into it and it's a really nice and even the side art actually is what the side up is like a poster it's like a rectangular picture blue picture with more of the same fonts and more helicopters so many helicopters per square inch on this cabinet it's unreal it's good though it looks nice doesn't it, it? it does look nice yeah for a kit they've done a really good job of it Right, got some trivia here. The score doesn't reset when you die. One of our listeners got, got hey. two and a half mil. One of our listeners got two and a half million, and I said, "Well, you, you're using continues," and he said, "Yeah." I said, "Oh, sorry, you shouldn't use continues," which, oh. which I don't think we we didn't say that, did we? This it's, time, no it's continues. It's more of a sort of uh, an obvious thing, really, because games with continues you could just play all night. So yeah, it's going to be one one credit only, please. John Snow, the newsreader. Not Game of Thrones man, like everyone thinks he is. He reckons this game is okay. Oh, thanks, John. Mm. Let's do some right. scores. Scores got lots of scores. Let me have About a quick look who won. Ooh, nearly fifty odd. Oh, yeah, really? Got... Yeah. Ooh, right here we go. I've got things to say about this game. Right, the horses are back in town. The horses are back in town. I love Led Zeppelin. Anyway, Steve Horse, 28,660. Phil Horse, 28,710. Rob, Arcade 79, 77,700. Well, shooters aren't my bag. It's a great game. I'm just plop at it. Plop. Madsd.com, 79k. One Punch Rob, 86,370. With Autofire to save my arthritic wrists, this was. So many lives lost chasing power-ups. Too many bullets and enemies earlier on. Hitboxes not active as soon as enemies on screen. Uh, maybe. Enjoyed it, but too tough. Johnny Cage, 95,770. Connor Malloy. I had loads of new players this time, you know. Mm. Connor Malloy, 96,230. My wrist is killing me because I can't find Autofire. Loving the game despite the low score. Andrew Driver, 102,850. Cracked 100k, happy with that. First time past the level one tank boss. Ooh, Selbug, 105, 120. I'm not a big fan on shooters, but really enjoyed this one. Definitely staying in my favourites list. Well done, Sal. But Sal has got form on liking very mediocre games. This is a good one, though, isn't it? No. Me, 112,650. <laughs> I'll just put in brackets here. Nah. And I'll tell you all about it later. <laughs> DJ Rouge, 114,660. I don't use Autofire and I didn't play it to death. Still like the game. Alcade, 126,590. This is the best I've got so far. Cracking choice of game, though. Mm, you see, people like it mm. a lot. Mm. That's like 100% more people than Karate Champ already. No. 
<laughs> Steve Tyke, 154, 370, auto fire on, and still got arcade hand inserting coins and continuing to get to 2.3 million. But his proper score is that 154. Mark Watmo gravy, still looking for his gravy. 156,070. Bring on another game. Oh, we didn't like it. Stacy King, 159,850. It is a nice game that layers on the enemies at a nice pace. I think that perfect follow-up to Tiger Heli. Jason Barber, 176,380. Good game, but I'm finding it quite tough. Had a lot of attempts, but seemed to fail not long after the first boss. I will have to use the continues to find out what happens at the end. Michael Vortman, 188,940. Died a lot, barely made it to level 2, and still motivated. Great shooter with no auto-fire. Hmm. Ian Cullen, 188,990. Can't quite put my finger on it, what I don't like about this game. Maybe it's a difficult level, maybe I just suck at it. Finally managed to clear the first level without dying, so I'll call it quits at that. Brian Haribo, did, 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 189,130. It's making me so mad I'm stopping. Sorry, no. Hmm. Ed Horse. Leader of the horses, 206,590. I like it, no messing, shoot stuff right in face. Right in face. Bill Wellen, 211, 660. Toa plan does exactly what it says on the tin. Great shooter with the one more go effect. All my deaths were my own silly fault. Could not quite get any bonus points at the end of level one. I'm happy with the score, though. My fingers are numb. And he is stereo deluxe on sidekick. Mm. Thomas Rath of Khan, or Thomas Carne. 212,220. Ross Ross, 213,170. Not even Japanese beer and Asian snacks could help improve my score. Can see myself getting peed off with this one and using auto fire as cheater's remedy. Didn't remedy much, so did it. He is Jimmy, 220k100. Good solid shooter. The delayed smart bomb dynamic was a bit frustrating at first, but you get plenty of them, so don't be shy using them. Yeah, that's my tactic. I did that. Tactical Giles, 222. 10. I'm enjoying this a lot. A simple but well-polished shooter. I agree, Tactical. Yeah, but what were they polishing it with? <laughs> poop. poop. Gabriel um, Kleinhart, 258,420. I've been meaning to submit scores for the last two months, but I keep forgetting. Not this time. Great game. Way harder than it looks. Chris Mooncrest the Bootleg, 262,300. Done without auto-fire. Tried with auto-fire and didn't do any better. Just made less button-bashing noises. This next guy is Chris++. Plus Plus. Ah, yes. Chris++ Plus Plus got 267,310. And he has some comments later on. New Chris Smith from Minimum Power Down. 272,380. Nothing like the promise of shooting stuff in face to drag me out of my 10p school retirement. Do love this game, but the amount of times a boss kills me as it's dying is not funny. Ooh, that's not good. Paul McCaskey, 285,640. I've barely got time to play this, although it is a great game. I'll return to it sometime. Button mashing fun. He's having so much fun. Mashing those buttons. Button, button. 332,660. Must admit I had to upgrade my main version to enjoy this auto-fire all the kids are talking about. Mr. 20 to 5, R. Neil, 348,530. Good score. What a great game this is turning into, Twin Cobra. A simple yet superbly put together shooter. Exactly, Neil. Jeremy Riley, 371,920. You've got to remember, Neil, 20 to 5 can be wrong. Not on this one. Yes. Zipper. Zipper. Zip, 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 zip. 413,380. Twin Cobra is good. Good, yeah. A man with few words. 
<laughs> Kean Horse, 427-610. Oh, he's the leader of the horses. Wow. I think so. Mark think so, Happy yeah. Dude, 449,230. I'm normally a fan of Turplan games. In fact, they may be some of my favourites, but the fact that I can see the bullets moving slow towards me, yet I cannot do anything about it, miffs me, so it's a no from me. Sorry, Sean. Oh, Sol, 492-800. Do you want to do this one? <gasps> Quick blast before me fish finger and chips. Twin fish fingers. <laughs> and then I got 497-760. That was all right, but I could have done better, but I didn't play it enough. Have a ping for putting yourself through that. Buller, <laughs> 575,590. Bit of a jump there. Really enjoyed this one. It's hard, but unf- never unfair. I just wasn't good enough for the 600k. Power-ups on death would be an improvement, I think. Wouldn't they always mm. with the games? Mike Orwell, 594.010. Cool. Sort of 1942 with Copters. Copters, just to make sure to score 95% of your points with your first ship before losing all your power-ups. So he's saying it's sort of 1942 with ass-hat choppers and chin-hooks. Could be. Mr. Troll adds... 603,670, and that's his best so far. Good score. Tagster doing well here. He loves these games, doesn't he? 695-230. No cheating autofire is put. Toa plant at its best. And also, he is at his wrongest. Rygar, <laughs> 699,020 points. What can I say? I love that game. Love it, love it, love it. Played two-player with my brother back when it was new. The power-up mechanism was simple, no nonsense, and gets the job done. I also hate it. Those end-of-level bosses have a tendency to hit me with a curveball when they've one hit, one hit short of dying. It's so frustrating when you've made it almost all the way to the end of level without losing a life and collected every single one of those golden bonus stars and then whap back to the pea shooter and your 50,000-point bonus flushed down the toilet. Still, it's got one more go factor. P.S. Victor, I think it's about the time the podcast took a harder line on this auto-fire malarkey. Well, <laughs> we're not really going harder on it. We just didn't really bother with it, did we? Not in the end. Mm. It, it's allowed, though. Right, good score from Matt Neo MK. 938-700. The best vertical arcade shooter bar none. Oh. One of my all-time favourites. Top graphic sound and gameplay. Pre-bullet hell. Two-player classic with Toa Plan at their best. Well done, Matt. No. Give him a ping, Vic. Give, no. him, give him a ping. Ping. No. Vic, no. Ping. No. Vic, Vic. Ping. Charlie Farr. He's going to get a ping. Because he's the first one of the last three crossing the million point barrier 1,067,030 my kind of shooter you shoot stuff you get points no multipliers combos suicide and etc bosh yeah Mr. Ten Shearers Graham is in second place Ooh, with just one, beat him 1,082,970 this is the first time I've really knuckled down and played Twin Cobra properly and just realised what I've been missing out for the past 30 odd years I'll certainly be coming back to it to try to better my score in the future by the way I'm hoping this game is the first of a long of, long line of quality game at high score challenges after the shocker that was Karate Chimp <laughs> Ooh, you can do one now, our top player <laughs> is Pearl <laughs> One million three hundred ninety-five thousand nine hundred and ten points, beating the second player by over three hundred thousand points. I got a stick, so I'm getting used to it. Fun game this is, because he normally plays with a keyboard, game, a keyboard or gamepad, doesn't he? No, just a keyboard. Oh my god! Oh, he's a challenger. He's got a joystick. Nice one, Pearl. Well done. 
it was getting mega scores. So wow. check out the Ten Pence Arcade High Score League Table Kids, where I'm now in fifth place. I think Matt Neo NK has jumped above me. Do you know what position I am? Don't, don't care. Know. That's what position <laughs> I'm at. Now, Chris, 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 plus plus. Lots yes. of Chris's and plus pluses. He said of his score and the game, another scrolling avoid all the dots game. There are so many of them. I suppose if you're into these games, you might be able to see differences between them. You're a man of keener sight than I. In fact, maybe that's what those thick Sean Holly glasses are for. I will admit this is one of the better avoid the dots games I've played. I didn't use auto fire as I have the fastest firing thumb in the whole land of Logitech controllers. I also like all the different types of power up, fire up power available. But why do those power ups have to dance around like they're listening to the Ten Pence Orchestra? Anyway, this is some more feedback from Jeremy Riley. Just the last one before we talk about the ports and sequels. He's put, I haven't managed to get auto fire in Maine, but I've clocked up three three seventy one nine twenty. And he's Zorro on Arcade Psychic. At first, it seemed like Flying Shark had a baby with Raiden. I think it's better than Raiden. It's slower nope. for a start observations bullets don't go quite all the way up the screen i think they do i don't get that often missing enemies that are at the very top after three power-ups the visible effects are negligible and this can make you lose faith in a weapon type i think that's probably true blue is great for sections with lots of tanks but poor for larger bullet sponge enemies and bosses you have to shoot stuff a lot yeah that's not just a good thing i don't much. think just shoot them loads yeah. take out the power-ups first they spam bullets you get the helicopters first you can move some enemies just off screen by moving left or right enemies off screen do not fire I it like takes that. too takes too long to get you off that blinking freighter thing of flying and and, and too what too long to time out after the player loses all their lives oh yeah yeah it's all, yeah it's, that uh, really bugs me i was pressing f when i was playing it on the computer rather than the cab i was pressing f10 a lot because it seems to take an age to let the, the sort of animation at the start let you play the damn game that really bugs me i like to get into a game straight away Mm. Mm. it would be interesting to see if Vic's like, Vic likes this because it has the floaty power up Vic Frustrator that Gunbird and Raiden have huh? Raiden has it but it's not as bad the number of times I've died trying to pick up the much needed power up is incalculable okay it's about 12 times great game bravo mm. this is from the Hardcore Gaming 101 website it says Twin Cobra sold very well and was supported to three home consoles PC Engine, Genesis and the NES the PC Engine version runs the fastest and plays the most like the arcade version. Surprise, surprise. The Genesis or the Mega Drive version runs slower than its 8-bit counterparts for some reason, but looks better. The NES version takes a huge hit in graphics and sound, but otherwise plays pretty well for an 8-bit conversion. All three versions add in checkpoints that you get kicked back to when you die, similar to the Japanese version of the game. Though in general, the difficulty level is slower, a bit lower. The X68000 FM Towns versions are very close to the original arcade version, with their own different soundtracks. Both Kyokyo, Tri Tiger and Twin Cobra are featured on the Turplan Shooting Battle Volume 1 for the PlayStation. Alike Tiger Heli also features an arranged soundtrack. Sadly, there was no Volume 2. Now, I played the NES version on one of my mm -hmm. emulators, and it's a simple shooter and much easier, so I like it better. Just a simple <laughs> game, really simple game. There, there was a Twin Cobra 2 released in 1995 by Taito, uh, developed by Takumi, which were some of the employees of the defunct Toa plant. So it's a carry-on from that. Right. And my, it, it plays quite similar. It looks, it looks like a, just like a souped-up version. The the power-ups are the same colours, and yeah, the it looks like you know like 
third on patchy with two three four and five they're all like iterations of each other yeah yeah it looks looks kind of like that really mm. like they've just souped it up anyway my summary for this i think is a solid shooter very good handling and gameplay in my opinion difficulty ramps up steadily and fairly i think power-ups are plentiful and all of good use although i do not like the unpredictable movement helicopters move at perfect speed for me but maybe speed up options would be be appreciated by some people you know the option to speed mm, the ship up. yeah yeah Bosses could have done with a bit more character than just grey square slabs. Mm. Proper ending would have been nice because you just, you just you don't actually know you finished it. It just scrolls right. sc- scrolls back to the first level, which is just a bit harder. Yeah. Hitbox is very unforgiving. Stupid amount of shots needed to kill mid-level baddies and end-of-level bosses. Smart bomb, bomb thing does not work like in other games, but that's terror plan. You have to be good enough to use the bomb to damage the enemies at the best of times and not to get out of trouble. Mm, yeah. I think this is just a very okay game. Mm. I don't hate it. Using the normal rate of fire by bashing the button as fast as possible is problematic. You just don't fire fast enough, and your bullets are too far behind each other. There's not like, um, you can't give a decent burst of bullets. You only fire three at once, don't you? Yeah, you can't can't seem to fire a wall of bullets, which makes the game too difficult, in my opinion, as the larger enemies need to be hit too many times. I even found when you have a power-up chin hook on screen with a bunch of regular enemies, the game takes on a bullet hell scenario. Coupled with a large hitbox on your chopper makes for a really frustrating game. I think this is just okay, and I don't agree with the Turplan fanboys and fangirls. I really think Turplan made much better games than this. I also think that Cyber's Raiden series, not Raiden Fighters, Raiden, nicked most of the ideas from this game and made a far superior game. Much richer graphics and tweaked gameplay, but both games are hard. But I find Raiden is more of a pattern when you play it, whereas this game I just think is too difficult because it, there's all the stuff you've said in there, even though you love this game, you are giving it a bit of a hit from a lot of the qualities mm. of it. So even though you love it, you're moaning about it, which is mm. I don't like the game and I agree with nearly everything you said as well. So it's either you, you either like it and find it difficult and got problems or you dislike it and find all those things, which I do. I don't love it. I think it's a decent, solid a game. Lot of, a lot of the listeners are absolutely... It's like the best game they've ever played. It's like the best shoot. And I'm thinking, no, Raiden's way better. It's a very, very similar game. When I first played it, and I realised the date, I thought, oh my God, Cyber have just nicked all the mechanics of the game, really. They mm. really have. I think they made it prettier, made it sound nicer and more playable. So I really do prefer Raiden. One, two, but three, I think, up to five. I think Raiden's harder because it, it does Do the point, point blank turbo death ball. It's at zero, doesn't it? Really shoots Yeah, but when you, when you know that, because the same thing with Raiden, when, when the tanks are, are aiming at you with the turrets, then they'll fire it. So if you're really close to one and they're not aiming at you, you can get you can sort of live. Obviously, a mm. chopper wouldn't do anything because the turrets have got to move around. But I sort of, I'm used to that and I can regularly do the first level of Raiden without losing a life. Because I know, sort of, I think I've played that level so many times. I sort of know when things are coming, and it's mm. not unfair. And I also agree with one of the listeners when, when, because sometimes with Raiden, you know, one of the the bigger enemies is going to come on at a certain point in the screen. So you get to the top of the screen, you just fire like crazy, and try and knock them out before they fire at you. You can do that, but on this game, it doesn't seem to let you do it. 
as soon as they come in the screen, they're shooting at you. And I think a few, the first few of your hits, until they're properly on the screen, don't register. I found that. Mm. So I found that more more difficult again. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, and the, the, lay, the levels seem to be very long. Are they any longer than Raiden, do you think? I think they are quite long. They seem very long and boring to me. And what you said about the end, with the boss at the end, are all the bosses square things with guns firing at you? Very similar, yeah. And and do the do the background levels change? So are you going over water and then a city, then a you know a moonscape or something, or is it just all sort of military ground installations and that sort of thing? Towns and cities and and docking docking areas and sea and mountains. That's good at least. At least, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I'm not mad about it. Um, it it seems like Raiden was the game, and this was like the one they tried out at the start, <laughs> and Raiden sort of made it better and improved it. In my opinion, I just yeah, I like it's better in Raiden. Do you really? Yeah, yeah, far more better. Yeah, it just seems more balanced and playable to me. Maybe it's the tower plan thing because you like the style of tower plan games. You like this. Could be. Yeah. Well, a big whack whack from me. And a thumbs up from me, kids. Yay. <laughs> Next show's game. Next show's game is a listener pick. We can't remember who picked it. But I think I know, a few people have said this. I know Mr. Tronads likes this game, so he probably picked it. Well, we'll, we'll put it down to Mr. Tronads. We'll put the blame on him if they don't like it. This is mm-hmm. Mr. Do's Castle, and he's very good at it. It's by Universal. The ROM is Do Castle, D-O-C-A-S-T-L-E. You have three lives. Your difficulty is one, beginner, and the difficulty of extra is easy. You should have been playing this for a week already. It is a good little game. There's loads to it. Um, submit your score on Twitter with hashtag 10pscore, hashtag 10pscore, or on Facebook as a comment or on our podcast post. Pictures, please. Uh, the deadline for score submissions is the 1st of October, 5pm UK time. Mm. And I know a lot of you, if you've been watching Twitter and Facebook, will have already had a week almost playing this. Yes. So I haven't looked at the scores, but I think there'll be some good ones. Yes. Okay. And the 10 pence high score league table is where, Sean? It's on the website. We're getting tired. Bake Off's on in a minute. I've got to go watch it. It's Dairy Week. So I'll (laughs) talk to you in two weeks' time, Sean. And I'm going to play a lot of this game because I like it already. Thanks very much for listening and goodbye. Thanks, kids. See you soon. Goodbye. You can download or play the podcast, read all the show notes, and leave feedback at www.10pencearcade.co.uk. You can email me at vertvic at 10pence.co.uk. You can also reach us on our Facebook page. You can tweet me at 10pence.co.uk and you can tweet Sean at Sean Holly. We'd love to hear from you for game suggestions, arcade pickups and stories or any of your personal thoughts on anything we may have covered. 